can I tell you what happened to me today when I was watching this? As I'm watching this, I get a pop-up on my PC that says my McAfee antivirus has expired. Get a Mac. Before we get to the show, as you know, the Patreon is where you go if you want to hear our episode-by-episode coverage of all the series you've ever wanted us to cover, like Tiger King, Serial Season 1, Making a Murderer, The Jinx, Lorena, The Staircase, Don't F with Cats, OJ, Natalie McCann, Natalie Holloway, we just finished. It's over 140 full bonus episodes for you guys to binge right this second. Clear the storage on your phone. Just hang out with us. Laugh your head off. We're doing what we can to like help everybody get through this really fucking weird time. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be inside, so come join us, won't you? Don't leave. (laughs) Don't leave your house. Come stay inside, won't you? Come get your cocktail, mocktail, whatever you got to do. Pet your pet, whatever it is. It it better not be an exotic wild animal that should live in in the wild, though. Because now I'm going to get mad at you. You guys, fair warning. She warned you. Girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Gringo. I... This is a weird one. Look, it's a documentary by Nanette Bernstein, who I love. She's like a prolific documentarian. She's kind of our narrator here. And she's 100% our narrator here. <laughs> but it's not like the, oh, it's not like a voiceover narrator. Like, yes, she is. She did. She narrate. We get her voiceover. We hear her voice. God. <laughs> Look, I'm mad at a lot of people. Girl, we need to be friends in this moment. I'm sorry. And I don't want to get on your list. I really don't want to get on your list. I can't imagine what that's even like. Girl, for my sake I can't have you on my list I just (laughs) when John came up with antiviral software 90% of the people weren't even aware of viruses by 1993 McAfee controlled 67% of the desktop antivirus market when he first came into the country he was very friendly he donated a considerable amount of equipment to police if you're giving donations to the police are there some motives behind that how many girlfriends do you have? At least five or six girls. I do have teenage girlfriends, and many at a time. And he brought me two pills and a glass of orange juice. And I woke up dizzy, and he was standing over me naked. He went from zero to crazy in like two seconds. John's dogs ran on the beach, and they were really ferocious. Greg Fall had had it with those dogs. and said, I'm going to poison those dogs. Mr. Fall was found dead. He had been executed. Now he's back in the United States. It was as if it hadn't happened. He goes from running away from something to now running for president of the United States. I don't see how he can lose. I'm serious. And I see him regaining that reputation, and he's dangerous. So anyway, we're at August 2nd, 2015, which is the day before my dad's birthday, which is a whole other thing. Is that right? The cops are pulling somebody over. Yeah. He is coughing like crazy. And the first thing I think of, not even in the elbow pit, because this is quarantine o'clock. He's just coughing out into the ether, getting everybody sick back in 2015. It's real gross. We got a dashboard cam and it's like these two cops who honestly seem like just very nice, normal guys. They pull this guy over. <laughs> Any uh, guns on you? Uh, guns in the front. How many do you have? How much money do you have in here? Four thousand. You normally carry that much money around with you? I do. Okay. They're a little bumpkin-y because they're like, what do you got? And he's like, well, I got three guns, $4,000. Yeah. And they're like, do you uh, normally carry that much money on you? And he goes, I do. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to bring this down right away, but I just want to say that, like, remember the uh, Say Her Name, the Sandra Bland episode? Like, a hundred zillion percent. This goes this way for him because he's a white man. They get him out of the car and they tell him to put his hands on his head. He doesn't even do it. He's like walking towards the cop car, not complying with what they're telling him to do. 
do. And everyone lives, you guys. No one gets shot. If you believe that racism isn't a thing, and I can't believe that anybody who listens to this podcast thinks that, but if you are one of those people or you got that racist uncle, play the Sandra Bland video side by side with this dash cam video. It's male privilege, white privilege, and toxic masculinity all at work in totally. the same thing. It, it's kind of fascinating. Like someone should make, write a thesis about it. He goes, I'm John McAfee. You've probably <laughs> read about me. I'm John McAfee. You've probably read about me. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who you are. Really? I don't. And the cop is not killing him right. or tasering him. The cop's like, you know, I really don't know who you are. Why don't you tell me about it? And John McAfee's like, you know that little annoying thing that pops up on your computer? Because you probably don't have a Mac. You know, I created that antivirus thing. And then he says on his own accord, I'm accused of murder in Belize. Right. I ran off to Guatemala. And the cop is literally like, that's nice. Oh, as he's rifling through his pockets of his th- fucking cargo shorts. Girl, please. Hang on a second. If you're allowed to day drink, I'm allowed to wear cargo shorts. I'm wearing them right now. I love my cargo shorts. Are you a rapist or a murderer? No. <laughs> then you wear your cargo shorts, girl. Then wear Thank you. those shorts. <laughs> I will just say that the cargo short is the answer to the mom gene. I live in my cargo shorts. I'm a cargo short activist. I love cargo shorts. So they get him in the cop car. And then he's like, uh, just like real quick, you should probably call the FBI to let them know you have me. <laughs> and I'm like, if you were not a white guy, you'd be dead. I know. How many of these have we covered? That is absolutely true. The FBI is going to be looking for me if you don't call him, sir. The FBI? And the cop's like, the FBI, girl. What? But then we don't get back to this, like him being arrested thing until the very end. And we are left then with as many questions as we have now. So we get this narration. It's from Nanette, the director. And she says, The name McAfee reminds me of my very first laptop. Like most PCs in the 90s, it had McAfee antivirus software pre-installed. It was one of those things where, like, when you went to college, your dad was like, you better pay the 35 bucks to get the antivirus so that, you know... The foreigners couldn't get onto your computer. The terrorists, like it was fear mongering, but we didn't know it was fear mongering yet. Right. And so Nanette is showing us, you know, he's on Larry King. Hey, girl. Right. Haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> you guys, Larry King joins us on the Pates almost daily. Almost, like almost we, yeah. <laughs> Larry King is in hey, every girl. episode on the Pates, you can imagine. I know, I miss you. You look great. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> But Nanette's whole point is like, why is nobody talking about this dude's past? Like, are there different rules for rich white guys? And I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah. I have in parentheses, yes. Yes. And so she reaches out to this guy, John McAfee, when she decides she's going to make a documentary about him. And so this is the beginning of us seeing their email exchanges. And she says to him. And girl, I wrote them all out. Don't worry. I have you. I got your back. I wrote them all out. I wrote all of the exchanges out. You know, this is like kind of why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I have all the names, yes. all the, all the on-screen text. I typed it all out. This is why it took me a hundred zillion hours to watch this documentary. And the email exchanges are good because John McAfee is such a bitch in every one of them. He's such an asshole. He's a, also, can, can we start? He We hate him. Yes. He looks exactly like Michael Peterson. Yes. And that's not just why I hate him. I know I said that before. He's a piece of shit. He's a rapist. He's a murderer. I don't like him. No, he's the worst. So Nanette is saying like, When I started the film, I reached out to John. He refused to do an interview, but he repeatedly emailed me. He would say, do not contact me again, and then email me five seconds later. He said, do not imply in your documentary that I refuse to be interviewed, even though he refused to be interviewed. Look, I wanted his input on making a documentary about him, and we see the exchange, and she says, let's talk, and he writes back, let's not. (laughs) Let's not! Which is like, it's it's got great response. Like, he's the worst human being in, in the world, but it's a great response. Yet, yet, he continues to email her. Totally. Like, he's like, let's not say we did. And he's like, and let's also continue to email. So she, she as a documentarian, is like, you said let's not. Like, okay, I'll just, like, search out other people and do that research. And then minutes later, he's like, do you want to know about this link? Right. Do you want to know about this, <laughs> these crimes I did, girl? Exactly. And she tells us that this began a year 
long cyber relationship with him. This whole year-long thing where she's communicating with him and researching his life in Belize. Because, spoiler, the main bulk of this documentary takes place after his, like, big success in America. He just, like, leaves and goes to live in Belize. So we learn that John moved to San Pedro, Belize in 2008. He bought this, like, beautiful beachside property. And we start to, like, get these interviews with the locals. We've got 42 dive sites from here within a three-mile radius. It's great. It's fantastic. And everybody speaks English. And I mean, how many Americans like English? And this is a very problematic song, but I just direct your attention to La Isla Bonita by Madonna. <laughs> Last I night love that I song. dreamt of San Pedro. That's what she's talking about. <laughs> totally. So we meet the mayor of San Pedro, and he's like... Everybody knew John McAfee. <laughs> when he first came into the country, he was very friendly. I really thought he was a very nice person. He bought prime property. He used to bring his friends from the States. We are getting a lot of tourists because of him. When John McAfee moved here, everybody knew him. He was basically like the rich white guy that moved to town. And he bought this like beautiful property. It was very expensive and he would bring his friends here. And we got a lot of tourism out of the fact that he was here because he would bring his like fancy rich American friends. Well, what they're saying is like he donated a ton of money to the police department and I'm yeah. like to get him on his side hello of course someone's just like he donated I mean just a shit ton of tasers John started donating things to the police department he donated a considerable amount of equipment to police boots stun guns different assortment of weapons handcuffs and batons and he donated a lot of tasers they say tasers over and over and over again. And for me, this was so reminiscent of OJ. Remember, like, OJ Simpson on the Patreon feed? When we covered it, he was talking about how, like, he loved the cops. He would have the cops to his house. He would give the cops money and equipment. And it was like, basically, he just knew that he was like a murderer waiting to happen and a wife beater. And he needed the cops to be his friends. It was exactly that. And so we're seeing these interviews from John at the time. And he's like, you know, it's 2009. And John, we know, is an entrepreneur. And he's saying, like, entrepreneur. John McAfee is still doing what comes naturally, starting new businesses. This is an entrepreneur's paradise here. There are virtually no regulations on, on business. McAfee started a ferry service. He's also cultivating jungle plants that he hopes will be the building blocks for medicines of the future. And we learn that he's like cultivating jungle plants that he hoped would be like the medicine of the future. Right, which is bullshit, but this is how we meet Allison, who I love. I love Allison too for all the reasons you love her, but also Allison looks like this Broadway actress that I've talked about before. Her name is Beth Malone. I knew you were going to say that! Did you really? <laughs> I did. I love Beth Malone so much. I love Beth Malone so much. It's creepy. And this woman looks exactly like her. Which is a compliment to both women, I'm just saying. Yes, a million percent. So Allison is a badass. So Allison went like from Harvard Med to Belize because John- She's a microbiologist. That's important to point out. Like all she cares about is like learning how to like make medicines for people. Right, and like help people and be amazing. So John yeah. like promised her the ideal, right? Right? He was like, girl, I'm going to give you your big break. You're going to work with me. You have endless resources. It's going to be amazing. And then we cut to Allison and, and she goes, I told him about my research and he seemed engaged. He seemed interested. And within, you know, minutes of conversation, he offered me my dream job. He said, you can continue your research and we'll make a business out of it. And I thought, oh, my God, I mean, this is this is it. This is like my big break. You know, we're seeing all these pictures of her and like she looks like she's having the time of her life. But then, of course, we get the fucking like dun dun dun. There was not a space for the lab and he had me stay with him, um, which made me very uncomfortable. I saw a lot of stuff when I was living in this place. He had armed guards. I'm not a huge fan of guns. Um, he had meetings um, with people that were also armed. And the other thing, too, is that, like, you know, we see her talking to Nanette, and she's, like, Nanette, the director, and she's, like, all of a sudden apologizing because she has so many fucked up stories, she doesn't even know where to start. I mean, I don't know. This is probably not relevant. I'm sorry. This that's is okay. this is the tangent that I told you yeah, I would go on. That's okay. That's part there's of just, there's, there's, there's a lot of tangents, people. We all oh, do it. Fuck. There's just, there's so much crazy shit. There's so much crazy shit that I don't even know 
you know, it's hard to know where to start. And I love this because she's apologizing and she's like, I'm sorry for the tangents and I, I, I'm i getting kind of overwhelmed. And Annette is like, girl, what are you kidding? This is fucking gold. Right. <laughs> So now Nanette is like, all right, look, I really wanted to learn about John's backstory. Yeah, that train's never late. Right on time. We got to hear about this piece of shit's backstory. (laughs) So he moves to Silicon Valley in 1987. And John is one of the first people to realize that, like, look, computers are great and they're bringing the world together. But, like, people can take advantage of that. And this is where he starts to see that, like, we learn the word computer virus. I was reading the newspaper about a virus called the Pakistani brain. It was the world's first virus. I'd never heard of a computer virus, and up to that point, I think neither had anyone else. I was reading it thinking, what the heck is this? And then it came to me, oh, I know what they did. I got some code that really replicates itself. And as soon as I got that, I got, you know what, that's easy to fix. Basically, what's happening is that, like, people are able to hack into computer systems and delete all the data. And John was one of the first people in the world to recognize that that was happening and to have a solution for it. So he founds this company because he, like, figured out how to, like, do this anti-hacker software or whatever. And he has this company and it's, like, the fucking most dude male toxic company 90s Silicon Valley fucking culture I've ever heard of. Yeah. So they have this thing called the Little Foxes. They had a uh, group called Little foxes where they um, would give points for uh, having sex in different spots of the office. They give points for different sex acts in different locations. But also like they talk about how this one woman like the admin assistant or whatever. Andrea Nation would come in in the morning with a bottle of Windex and clean off Bill Larson's desk. Because there was a sex contest going on, you get points. She would have to come in the morning and, like, spray down the surfaces because people had been having sex on them for points the night before. Which is really not her job. I feel like you, if you're going to do that and it's everyone's consenting adult humans, like, you got to clean up after yourself, no? That's just rude. Like, like wait, wait, where's, where's that note in the office kitchen? You guys, please clean up after yourselves. I am not your mother. Please wipe your bum marks off the counter. I am not your mother. I repeat, I am not your mother. And you know what? Your mom shouldn't be doing that either now that we're on the subject. Right. <laughs> Ugh, it's so gross. Yeah. And apparently, like, there was like a chanting circle. Three of the women were supposedly witches and they would sit in the conference room and have like a little chant. There were these three women who claimed to be witches and they would like call the corners like they're in the craft in the goddamn break room. I know. I know. Cheryl's just trying to get a piece of that sheet cake and there they are. Earth, air, fire, water, earth, air, fire, water. Like girls. And I, I look, I'm all for that. Chant, call the corners, do do what you got to do, but not at work. You know that Cheryl has been thinking her about that sheet cake since she walked in the door that morning. Poor Cheryl. It's what got her out of bed. Right. It's what got her out of bed. <laughs> Homemade sheet cake, Cheryl, I am with you, girl. Oh, my God. So the, the best part about this is that, like, we're not the only people who believe that this guy's a fucking moron because the investors in his own company, they want to take the company to the next level, but they know that he would be no good for that. The investors wanted to take the company to the next level, and that was definitely not John's forte. They felt that John couldn't do that, and I think that John didn't want to do it either. They bought John out. They bought his shares out. So they, like, buy him out. This guy who haunts me to this day, I get that goddamn Renew Your McAfee subscription once or twice a goddamn day on my computer. He's been haunting me since the 90s. I feel like he owned this company for 15 minutes and got bought out. Right, and he's kind of like, all right. Right. (laughs) He's completely fine with it. He bails. He goes off to Colorado, and he bought 280 acres in Colorado and opened a yoga and meditation center because the weird sex contest guy (laughs) is who I want to take mental health advice from. Yeah, and then, so, like, it's 2009, it's the recession, and, like, we get this news story about how John McAfee got hit really fucking hard by the recession, and we see these, like, auctioneers at the yoga chalet retreat place just, like, auctioning off his shit. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the estate of John McAfee. On Saturday, auctioneers worked up bids for the rarefied retreat of a wealthy man who's taken it on the chin in this recession. He's on Nightline, and Nightline calls him one of the biggest losers of the shitty economy. I'm like, damn, Nightline. (laughs) Shit. 
And then all of a sudden, we get like the on-screen text. It's Belize 2010. John's moved to Belize, and he's beloved by the cops. He's beloved by the people. He's throwing money around left and right. We have also learned that John is super fucking paranoid. So he decides he needs to get like his own personal protection, his own bodyguards, and this like he like assembles this like team of generals around him. Yeah, he has like bodyguards and armed guards and security. All these people are telling us like he had guys that were criminal records. Give them gone, give them vehicles, make them feel like okay, everyone is untouchable now. It's like it's not believed no more. It's McAfee world now. John would just go and find, like, criminals, give them all the guns he could find. Like, John wanted to be surrounded by the most dangerous people in Belize. Right, and Jules Vasquez, this reporter who I love, who's with us for the duration of the film, is very on top of this. I love him, but he's like... If you notice where he's located and right there by the toll bridge, you know, all the vehicles, all the buses have to stop there and look across. Wow, that's a, that's a rich dude living there. He wanted to create this mystique of a white man on the edge. He's an idiot. Next. (laughs) And so Allison, our microbiologist friend, she's like, John was already weird and a nightmare, but it's getting worse. John got weirder and weirder. He would go on these rants. He talked about taking over the Belizean government. He talked about his hitmen. And at this point, I was starting to believe it. He said hitmen. Did you mean to say hitmen, not security guards? Yes, he would absolutely call them hitmen. She says hitmen, and Nanette, we hear her, and Nanette's like, sorry, girl, did you mean security guards? Like, you want to take that again? And Allison's like, I said what I said. Print it. (laughs) Did I fucking stutter, Nanette? Did I stutter, Nanette? And Nanette's like, girl, this is gold. This is amazing. Uh, But then, I didn't see this coming at all. Allison has this really fucking terrible and tragic story. So, you know, she's telling us that she's super scared and he's paranoid and she just wants to do her fucking microbiology. That's why she's here in the first place. It's not working out. She wants to get out of there. Right. And she tells him this. She thinks that, like, he can just be a decent human. And she's just like, I'm going to level with you. I want to go home. I went to talk to him. I sat there on the couch and I and I told him everything. I said, look, I don't I don't like what you're doing. I'm not getting anywhere with my work. I feel undermined. And, um, you know, I miss my family. I want to go home. I don't really want to be here. And she says she's crying so hard that she got a headache. And I'm like, girl, I've been there. You know, when you're just like, you're everything and you're just like exhausted, like your whole body is just exhausted. And so John, trigger warning, takes this opportunity to drug and rape Allison. I only have sort of flashes of recollection. He was standing over me naked. And I woke up the next morning. I... Grab my clothes, I don't even remember taking them off. And um, I went back to my house and I locked myself in my apartment and I, um, I sat in the shower. I sat in the shower for, I don't know, until the water ran cold. That's that's like such, like, wow. And like Hero Bell for Allison, because she confronts him and she's like... I remember I just started um, a very calm conversation and he went from zero to crazy in like two seconds. He called me all kinds of names and pushed me through the door of his orange walk compound. Girl, you did this horrible thing to me and I'm leaving. Like, you can't stop me from leaving. She wanted to do this civilly. She still wanted to have, because she didn't know what he was capable of. Right. And so she says that, like, in this confrontation, he goes from zero to crazy. He starts calling her names. He fucking pushes her through a door. We see this kind of reenactment where he comes looking for her with a flashlight, like shining the flashlight in the windows, pounding on the door, and he leaves. And she thinks he's leaving to go get a gun. And she tells this terrifying story. I locked myself in the lab and I thought, he's dangerous. I started destroying all the the samples and, um, you know, any of the reagents that he could have used against someone. And um, I emailed my dad. I had just about maybe 10 minutes to do this. I emailed my dad and um, bought a plane ticket home. And as soon as I, like, hit send on that email, he cut the power. 
she emails her father saying like dad I'm coming home I'm getting a flight like I gotta get out of here this is really terrifying and she says that like within a second after she hit the send button this fucking maniac cuts the power to the entire compound to prevent her from communicating with anybody well jokes on you John McAfee because she texts her friends in Belize City and they come and get her ass and they get her the hell out of there her amazing friends picked her up hid her for the night totally protected her and got her on that plane the first thing the next morning yeah and she's not home five minutes before she's like boop 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 hi FBI (laughs) do I have a story for you and they're like well we don't have any jurisdiction in Belize so thank you for the phone call right however we're gonna pass we're gonna go in a different direction yeah but you know she's here to tell her fucking story and it's just bonkers she's a hero then we learned the story of a guy named David Middleton you guys this is really tough this was super bad this is real bad and gory yeah and you know David Middleton's friends are here to tell us this story and like David Middleton was like this regular guy who just like had a family and was trying to make ends meet living in Belize and somebody tells us of course we don't know what's true and what's not true but somebody tells us that David broke into John's home and stole stuff no one ever in his life broke into his fucking home Looked like he, he needed, he wanted to set an example, it seems like. So he did it with David. Where are his 30 armed guards? This right. never happened. Right. <laughs> this never happened. Yeah, yeah. And so this driver is here and he's in shadow and the voice is disguised. And he tells this horrible story about how they like chased David into the jungle and they beat him up and they tortured him. I hate it so much. But they tortured him like, and again, like trigger warning you guys, like the way they tortured him was like with Ugh, steak knives. I can't. And with a, with tasers. Like, remember early on, John had this, like, fascination with tasers, and he was donating all these tasers to the police. This guy and these men that John McAfee hired basically tasered this David Middleton guy to death. Before he slipped into a coma, Middleton told police that he had been abducted, beaten, and stabbed by two men who came to his house in Orange Walk. He says he did not know either of the men who drove a white pickup truck. He died on Friday at the KHMH, and it is now a murder investigation. Right, and so, like, they, like, drop him off in the middle of Carmelita, in the middle of town. He goes to the hospital, but, like, street code, he's not going to rat anybody out. So nothing happens to any of these people. And he died in the hospital, so guess what? Now there's a murder investigation. Right. Remember how John was like, I'm not talking to you, I'm never going to talk to you, and then he just keeps emailing Nanette a hundred times a day? (laughs) So he emails her yet again, and he goes, you know, I thought you were talking to individuals. You were not. Not. You were talking to the government through these private citizens. You were duped. Blah, blah. He's like talking nonsense. And Annette just goes, what about the girls? I have, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> What about the girls? Yeah, this is really fucking gross. We see John McAfee in some TV interview, like to the interviewer's face being like, I live a lifestyle which might be over the line of normal behavior. It's a lot of fun. I get to hang out with cute girls who are scantily clad. I do have teenage girlfriends, and many at a time. Nothing illegal. They're well beyond the age of consent, and I have I've seen nothing wrong with it, and if you do, then that's okay. Part of what's great about my life is I get to hang out with all these hot young girls, and I have many teenage girlfriends all at once, and they're well over the age of consent. I don't see anything wrong with it. If you do, then fuck you. So we meet this woman, Mel Cruz, and she's John's masseur. And I don't know what it is about her. I just really like her. I like her vibe. (laughs) This is when we meet all the women, and Mel is just saying, like, How many girlfriends did he have? Ooh. I can't keep counting. I would say at least five or six girls, you know, that live in the house. He was... Belize Donald Trump. <laughs> she calls him Gross. Belize's Donald Trump. I just Ugh. have, ew. I know. <laughs> These women had terrible life circumstances, and John totally took advantage of them. He was paying them. This is prostitution, and he found girls who were in just real bad situations and just waved money in their faces, and they felt they didn't have a choice. Yeah, and we meet a lot of these women, and they share their life stories. Like, you know, some get kicked out of the house. One was being molested by her stepfather, and her mother didn't believe her. And, you know, this this journalist is telling us that like these were young women who had very challenging life situations they have horror stories of what happened in their past so he didn't need to say well i'm going to pay them into prostitution no it wasn't that it was simply here's the rich guy who was just willing to take them in 
this like rich white guy swooped in and for these women like they kind of didn't care about the sex like all of a sudden they had a roof over their head and a little bit of money and they they got to live in this big house and it was really meaningful for them well and the thing is they weren't having sex they're women now but they were girls at the time and they're saying like look it wasn't really sex like he wasn't and I'm just to be graphic to show like he wasn't putting his peen in them. No. What they all said. They I mean, did. they give us a round robin. They all say this. When I say they all said it, <laughs> I said what I said. They all said it. Uh huh. He, I just, ha- I, I just have to say it. There's no, I can't get around it. I just have to say what he wanted them to do and what they all did. I, I just have uh-huh. to say it. I can't. I can't avoid it. Uh-huh. And even the women now, they're saying it with a, smir- a smirk on their faces. If you're driving, can you pull over? Because you're not going to be able to handle it. And I can't be responsible for that. I need you to be safe out there, okay? Also, stay home. You guys, if your children are listening, if your children are under the age of 79, can you make them go do something else? I'm going to say, are you guys ready? You, <laughs> one, two, two and a half, three. They pooped in his mouth, and he wanted that, and they all did it. Because he he wanted to have, like, Scott sex, and I didn't agree with that. What is Scott sex? I mean, you poop in someone's mouth. He used to make you shit in his mouth. (laughs) They all did it, and they're all like, I mean, I didn't have to have sex with him, but I pooped in his mouth, and he wanted me to do it. I'm sorry. I hate it. I can't believe this. (laughs) I just... Oh, I I texted you. I try not to text you at like crazy moments because I always want to save it for the pod. But I texted you and I was like, girl, the poop sex, the poop sex. I can't. And look, we don't kink shame here. We're very open. Again, consenting adult humans. You guys. Did you say we don't scat shame? We don't kink shame. Oh, I thought you said we don't scat shame. You know what? We don't scat shame either, you guys. No, look, my husband loves jazz. What are you going to do? So... What are you gonna do? So you know, consenting adult humans do what you want to do. That I'm sorry, I can't get behind. I can't. I, I can't. I can't say the do what makes you happy kind of thing. I just. I don't. It's unsanitary. I, I can't understand it. I don't. I don't understand how that can be. Like, oh, you know what was really hot? That like, I just. I. I can't get there. I'm so sorry. Is that wrong? I'm not apologizing. I. I said I'm standing by it. I don't understand it. Oh my god. So now, now that we know that John is completely paranoid, we learn about his neighbor, this guy, Greg Fall, who lived 600 feet down the beach. And I guess it was just kind of common knowledge that John and Greg did not like each other. Right. And John is now, because he's paranoid, he's he's like taking it out on the town. So he'd go to the beach with these armed guards and the 16-year-old girls. Yeah. And like, people didn't like it. And Greg was building homes, making a living, doing everything on the up and up. And he liked to go to this happy hour spot after work. And like, there are armed guards. And he, they're just taking over the town. And it's just not enjoyable to be there anymore and they have every right to want to have a Mai Tai not next to an AK-47 or whatever like I get that right and Greg's like big bone of contention was John's dogs John had I'm sure due to no faults with the dogs nobody get mad at me but he had mean crazy dogs that, that can be bred to be like that his dogs ran loose on the beach and they were really ferocious dogs and I even remember walking by there one time and these dogs were just really lay into you. Yeah, he had like guard dogs and he had let them loose running all over the beach in front of everyone's houses. You can't do that. Yeah, and it wasn't that they were like annoying and barking. It's that they were scary and people were afraid they were going to attack them. So Greg went over to John's house one day and was like, girl, you got to like contain the dogs. The dogs are scary and they're mean and like it's ruining everybody's good time. Greg went to McAvee's house and said, John, you got to take care of these dogs. They're, they're disturbing the neighborhood. And John reached over to one side and came back with a 12-gauge shotgun, cycled the shotgun, says, get off my property or I'll shoot your ass. Literally, like, gets a gun and does that, like, Clint Eastwood thing where he, like, cocks the shotgun with one hand. And he's like, bitch, get off my property or I'm going to shoot your ass. Right. So Greg's like, okay, that didn't work. So Greg goes to put in a formal complaint. Again, Greg is trying to do everything on the up and up, have records. He tried to talk to him personally. Okay, fine. You're not going to do that? Okay, so I'll go to the mayor. So he makes this formal complaint to the mayor. And the mayor, who's owned by John, essentially, is like, I'll talk to him about it. And Greg's like, that's not going to do anything. So Greg, look, we don't speak ill of the dead. This is a horrible thing that happened. But Greg decides to take it into his own hands because he feels he doesn't have any other way to go. And he poisons all of the dogs. About 12 in the night, 
one of the security came and said that the dogs is foaming through their mouth. So he went and he saw the dog. And then um, he said, you know, the dogs have been poisoned. That what he said, the first thing came in his mind was that it was his neighbor, Gregory Fall. John, like, totally fucking freaks out. And he, like, just knows it's Greg. Like, he just knows it's him. It couldn't be anybody else. And John, in front of a whole bunch of fucking people, makes a promise to kill Greg Fall. And the next day, Greg is found dead. Yeah. Do the math, everybody. Right. It was John. <laughs> or John John had it, had it ordered or whatever. So it's a close-range gunshot wound. There's no sign of a break-in. And Greg's body was covered in tasers. Who orders people to be tortured with tasers? Who loves tasers? John. It's so obvious. So John gets wind that the police now know about this murder and that they consider him a suspect. You guys, John McAfee goes on the fucking run and it is all over the news. A murder in paradise. Police launch a full-scale search for an eccentric American titan, John McAfee. Breaking news from Belize. John McAfee, who's been on John McAfee the is a person of interest. An American tech mogul at the center of an international murder mystery. Tonight, McAfee is being hunted for questioning in the murder of his neighbor. You guys, this is where this shit goes off the rails. Right, so now we're in 2012 and we meet Martin Savage. He's a CNN reporter. <laughs> I love this story so much. So the thing to know is that at the time, John McAfee being on the run was a huge international news story. So this CNN reporter has been invited somehow to come to Belize and interview John McAfee. And he is like laughing the whole time he's telling us the story. He cannot believe it. It was like a bad movie. We were doing, you know, switchbacks and turnarounds. And then it's like, get up, get up. And then we he's like, no, get in there. And it's another cab we get in. And then eventually we stop in the parking lot of a really low rent looking hotel. So the reporter gets in the car, they get to where they're going, and this reporter is like standing there and he's telling us today, he's like, so I'm standing there like in the lobby and I see John McAfee wearing this ridiculous disguise, dressed up as an old man with a crippled arm and a powder in his hair and he's walking with a cane. Like it was so obviously him. And we see a picture, he looks fucking ridiculous. And the reporter's like, John McAfee is coming towards us. Only it wasn't John McAfee. It was John McAfee in really in a really bad disguise. We all knew it was John McAfee. But your problem is you really want to talk to him. And I'm afraid that if I say, hey, John, how you doing? He's going to explode and, and storm off and our opportunity to interview him would be lost. John McAfee walks in still in that ridiculous disguise and then does this like Willy Wonka thing where he like rubs the gray out of his hair, like lets his arm go. And he's like, I fooled you, didn't I? He's like, ha ha, tis I, John McAfee. <laughs> Ba -ba -da -da. And Martin's like, okay, girl, like, yeah, oh no, wow, I'm fooled. Because Martin's like, you know, it's a, in order to get the interview, you have to pander to this guy. Exactly. You gotta, you know, stroke the ego. So he's like, oh no, I, oh my God. Right. I, I was totally duped. And so we're getting this whole thing where, you know, John again is like spouting this whole conspiracy theory that everyone in the country is out to kill him. And the thing is, what's shitty is that this is becoming all about John and not about Greg, who's dead yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. the spectacle is all about him but one of the guy one of these officials includes the following sentence well, i've never met the man don't know what he looks like uh i don't want to be unkind but it strikes me that he's extremely paranoid in fact i would go so far as to say bonkers i don't want to be mean but he's paranoid you might even say bonkers and he does like a hand movement you might say bonkers the guy the prime minister's like i've never met this person who the fuck is this guy so john mcafee's driver says like look you know at this point we had to get him out of the country and i guess i realized we couldn't take him like through any proper channels so this driver's like i we just put him on a boat and dump him in land in guatemala we didn't no customs no immigration no nothing that's illegal I got him and his girlfriend in my car. I drove them to the southernmost tip of Belize and got them like in a rowboat to Guatemala. And he was like, bye. And the driver is fucking garbage because he he enabled all of this. Totally. He looks right at the camera and he goes, that's illegal. Yes. Thank you, Tom. I'm aware. <laughs> thank you. A lot. Most of this is illegal. Yeah. Yet, to, yet to really hear a legal thing that's happening. But right? thank you. Thank you for the update, girl. Garbage. But then somehow Vice News like has the inside scoop and they are meeting John in Guatemala. And John is like giving them 
like an all access tour of his like on the runness or whatever. And Vice News takes a picture with John. It posts it on the internet and it immediately gives away John's location because that's what happens when you take a digital picture. We learned this from Don't F with Cats. Body movements all over it. Yeah, exactly. They have that little GPS tracker. And Jose, the journalist who I love, is just like, you know, you had Vice TV posting that picture that just gave away his location. He was undone by that in Guatemala. You know, the tech guy who would have thunk. The tech guy got duped by technology. Who would have thunk? I love it. Jose is totally here for this unraveling. I and I, I'm right there with him. I'm sitting right next to him. Give me the popcorn. I love it. Let's bring this guy down. But wait, but then this was like, to me, this was like one of the biggest shocks of the whole documentary. This is where we learn that his garbage girlfriend, who like is from the streets of Belize, we find out that her uncle is the former attorney general of Guatemala and is like some high powered lawyer. That's when I told him, you know, I have an uncle who could help you. I think he could be your lawyer and take you out of the country if you want. And she's like, girl, we happen to be in Guatemala. Let's just get him to be your lawyer. Bada bing, bada boom. He's got representation. Five, six, seven, eight, lawyer. Great. (laughs) Because the thing is, Guatemala is now mad at him for hiding there illegally. Exactly. Add Guatemala to the list of people who hate John. So then I have in my notes, whatever, he's arrested in Guatemala. And Vice is there to capture the whole thing. And we meet Santiago, this homicide detective. And he wants John extradited back to Belize. Because that's where all of this shit happened. They have all the jurisdiction. Right. So he's in jail. But him and his fancy lawyer want to file this extradition appeal. Because Belize wants them so they can deal with them because they have all the jurisdiction. Right. So they can't file this appeal for whatever reason until 3 p.m. So I chose to fake a heart attack. John McAfee was rushed to a hospital complaining of chest pains. Quite a scene was created as an ambulance took him from an immigration detention center. They took me to the hospital at 3 o'clock when I knew the appeal had been filed. I said, I feel better. I want to go back to prison to my cell. Thank you. To buy time, John, (laughs) in his little jail cell, fakes a heart attack. Right. But the whole thing is that Vice News is there and they capture the whole thing. Vice News captures John hitting the deck, faking this heart attack. They follow him in the ambulance to the hospital where you see John, like on the, all these doctors attending to him, faking this heart attack. Vice News is there. Like we have all of this video. It's unreal. And then suddenly we just learn that Guatemala doesn't feel like having him in prison for 15 years so they deport him to the United States where he's a free man and not charged with a crime awesome it's just unreal he murdered this guy he raped this woman he escaped to Guatemala where he faked a heart attack he gets extradited to the US it's as though nothing ever happened we see the detective from Belize again and they're like during the autopsy the doctor did remove hair samples from the disease they found a piece of fingernail in the hair of Mr. Gregory Fon. Is it DNA tested? We do not have a DNA lab in Belize. Well, we found a fingernail, but we can't test it because Belize doesn't have a DNA lab. So fingerprinting is new in Belize. And Santiago's like, we kind of just lean on like confessions and fingerprints. And our murder conviction rate is under 3%. So like, we're not doing great. No. (laughs) Nanette and I both were like, our jaws were on the floor. How is that how this is down there? Like, this is fucking crazy. So Nanette now is kind of like on a mission to like solve this murder. So there's this guy Eddie McCoy who's like this tough guy who works for John right so Nanette learns the story that like Eddie the night before the murder had $5,000 wired into his account by John as if to say like John paid him $5,000 to murder that guy Greg so Nanette tracks Eddie down all by herself and look I am all about like documentary filmmaking and catching the bad guys and all of that but this all feels very fucking dangerous to me but Eddie has been in the documentary since the beginning so she wants to meet up with him again because we even have the driver saying oh Eddie called me for a ride like outside of Greg's house, basically. So now Nanette has all this information and she wants to talk to Eddie again. So you were not hired by John to kill Greg Falk? No, never. And if you were, would you tell me? I'm not crazy to tell someone I I killed someone. It's ridiculous, you know? Mm. But I was never paid by John to kill anyone. Who gave you that information? I cannot tell you. Okay. So do you have an alibi? We were having a wedding at that time. Our family member was there. My sister was marrying. And she's straight up like, so can you tell me the real story about how John paid you to kill that guy? (laughs) And Eddie's laughing and smirking and denying everything. And Nanette pushes back. I'm like, girl, you're going to get yourself killed. I know. And so Eddie gives her some like flimsy alibi. And she's like, I wanted to check out Eddie's alibi, but it felt way too dangerous. Going around George Street and asking questions, 
not a good idea. So I was like in Eddie's neighborhood and I realized I should probably get the hell out of here that like trying to corroborate his alibi and like going door to door and asking questions would probably be really dangerous. So bye. Yeah. And like Eddie's just like denying it up and down. And it reminded me of that scene in the Zodiac where they're talking to Arthur Lee Allen and he goes, I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Eddie is basically saying, I didn't kill Greg, (laughs) but if I did, I certainly wouldn't tell you. And then she gets wise and gets the hell out of Dodge. Thank God. Yeah. And my favorite part of what happens next is that like, Like, she gives us, like, two-second recap of, like, all the shit that John got away with in Belize. But she does it by calling him an ugly expat. It looked like John had lived the full fantasy of an ugly American living large in a poor Central American country. He had apparently gotten away with possible murder and rape, buying the police, buying young women, indulging in bizarre, degrading sex, all seemingly without consequence. I was like, amazing. That. I love it. So, like, we're back in America. You know, it's the United States, 2016, and fucking John McAfee is running for president. I paid a lot of attention to that election. I do not remember John McAfee running. No, it was a week. Like, he, I mean, obviously. And, you know, looking back on it now, like, you want to say, like, there's no way some, like, attention-seeking idiot can run for president. Right. <laughs> and then... And so he's running on the libertarian ticket. He's in the debates. Like, he's in the libertarian debates. Mr. Mr. McAfee is president. What would you do about ISIS? ISIS is a problem of, of uh, intelligence gathering more than anything else. I mean, we have the capacity. Certainly, is anybody uh, doing terrorist acts inside of China or inside of Russia? No, it just doesn't happen. They are so far ahead of us from a cybersecurity standpoint, meaning intelligence gathering in the modern age. He's pretty well-spoken. His whole platform is about cybersecurity because he's a, quote, fucking cybersecurity expert because he invented this thing in, like, 1992. And so he's doing a campaign event at this restaurant in New York City. In the East Village. It's this Ukrainian joint. It's right in the East Village. I know exactly where it is. And so Nanette's like, well, fuck it. We're going. And she's like, she's been emailing with John for a year. He won't give her an interview. She walks into this event and, like, walks right over to him. And they just start talking. John, I wanted to congratulate you. On, on, on your campaign. You've done so well. Well, thank you very much. Do you recognize me? I do not. You don't? No. I'm Nanette. You are Nanette? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, nice to meet you. Nanette. Nice to meet you. And are these your people? These are okay. my people. Please turn your cameras off. Why? I do not want to be on your camera. Can I have your attention, please? We're in a public event. She walks right up to him and she goes, I just want to congratulate you. And he goes, on what? And she goes, your campaign, you idiot. Like, what? <laughs> and she's like, are you still in touch with people from Belize? And you realize, oh, my God, he doesn't know who he's talking to. And right. she says, do you recognize me? And he's like, no. And she goes, I'm right. Nanette. And you can see the blood drain from his face. The wind is knocked out of him. The minute she yeah. doesn't even have to say her last name. She's like, Cher, Madonna. She's like, I'm Nanette. Right. Like, how many Nanettes does he know? One. And he's been, like, (laughs) harassing her via email for two years. And immediately, he's like, turn those cameras off. Bitch, this is a public event. You're here to for your own PR. That, to me, was the most amazing thing, is that, like, he immediately realizes he's trapped. And, like, you know, he, like, prides himself on being, like, one step ahead of everybody. And she totally fucking gotcha him. Like, right in this Ukrainian restaurant in the city. It was amazing. And he runs out of his own campaign event. He runs, runs out the door. I know. John shaped hole in the door. He's out of there. She's like, John, are you leaving? Okay, well, bye. Have a good day. Like, she's just taunting him. Like, Nanette just taunts him the whole time. It's amazing. But then, you guys, like, this doesn't have a happy ending. Like, we just start to see how in the United States, nobody cares about this murder in Belize. Nobody cares about the rape in Belize. Like, he all of a sudden is, like, getting all this media attention for, like, being an expert in cybersecurity. And it's happening again. He's legitimized himself again. It's an amazing transition. He is talking about internet security, he's talking about iPhones, you know, he's talking about uh, real privacy security issues of our times, and he's doing it with the authoritative, I'm John McAfee. I'm not the John McAfee who was chasing through the jungle on the run, this is the John McAfee now back to his namesake. And then the movie ends. Remember the beginning it opened with that dash cam video where those cops arrest him? They like pull him over. Yeah, and they're all like, really? You're wanted by the FBI? You've been arrested for all, like what? You and I were talking about this off mic. Like, I don't get it. Like, he gets arrested, but there's no consequences. Like, I don't, like, when was this arrest video made? What were the consequences for what he did? Like, what happened? My notes end with just a bunch of question marks. Like, what is this arrest? <laughs> what comes of it? It just ends. Why was he arrested? Because 
because the credits are rolling on the side and she wants right. us to see this dash cam video of the cops kind of eating this all up and loving that they have the, the virus guy in their backseat. He's pretty jacked up. He's really jacked up, actually. On the front of the passenger seat is an uh, article. I saw that, yeah. Explaining who I am, why I can't drive. If my head of security can be called, you can call me. How many security agents do you have? They're so impressed by all of his like war stories. And so I don't understand where this is going or what the point of it is. And then it just ends and now I'm mad. <laughs> I don't <laughs> uh, you guys we did gringo. You guys, just a reminder, if you're looking for more things to laugh at, join us on the Patreon. At the $5 level, you get over 140 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Girl, it's where we do our series, right? So, like, we are into the Tiger King, which is, like, our by far most requested series ever. That is that is true. That is that is <laughs> the truth. Yeah, we do, you know, uh, the OJ documentary, Making a Murderer, the Jinx, Serial Season 1, Staircase, all that good stuff. Lorena, um, the Menendez murders, Lacey Peterson, like, Every series that's yeah. been done, you guys, it's crazy. There's a lot for you. Clear your phone. Clear your phone. You can also uh, get ad-free versions of these episodes. Check us out there. Find more to laugh about. Girl, we're doing another ID mystery next. Tell the people what we're doing. It's called Brittany Murphy, an ID mystery. I effing love Brittany Murphy. I'm still to this day heartbroken about what happened to her. And uh, I'm just, I yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it. I just, I love her so much. I think she's so cool and bizarre and weird. I just love her in the, the best way. I love her. I love her. The thing about this, you guys, we're partnering with ID on this. It's a TCO first, you guys. ID is giving us this documentary before it drops. Sometimes we've been given stuff before it drops and then we release our episode right after their episode comes out. ID is letting us actually recap this documentary before the documentary airs on ID. So when's it coming out? The episode comes out like right after. We're getting to do it first, which is so crazy. Thank you, ID. Thanks, ID. Wow. Wow. Girl, where can they find us? They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com that has your episodes, your promo codes, the merch, all that good stuff, the calendar, what's coming up next. Yep, they can find you at Jillian with a G on all the things. Yes, and you are Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram and at Patrick Hines on Twitter. We're also True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram. Check us out there. We do stories and stuff all the time. We're going live a lot. Come hang out with us on Instagram. Stay tuned for the trailer for Brittany Murphy and ID Mystery, followed by our over-the-top outtakes from today's episode. And we love you. We love you. Thanks for hanging with us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. Oh, and you guys remember, go listen to the preview and subscribe to our new podcast, Obsessed with Disappeared. You're going to laugh your head off. Please go, oh, Okay, okay. Somebody out there, okay. Is she awake? Please, no. Is she breathing? No. <laughs> please, please come back. <laughs> he cut her off from the outside world. He kept her cloistered in that home, plied her with drugs, controlled her mind. The more this man talked, the more bizarre his personality became, the more suspicious he became. He decided to try and head it off at the past. People were wondering what the heck was up with this Simon Monjack character. Yeah, you're the first people to ever see the infamous bathroom. You can see my wife had a penchant for cosmetics. It's not just disturbing, it's sick. Yeah, these are pictures I took of Brittany. This was actually the picture that we used as the, at the funeral. I just thought it was a, a perfect theatrical photograph, you know, of someone who was just taking their final bow, bow, bow. hugged you guys you didn't know it was a thing but now you know you also have a wallet that's not a wallet it's like a card <laughs> holder it's like not a wallet you're absolutely right i have a card holder that i use as a wallet that has like my metro card my debit card my credit card and the only other thing it has in it is my loyalty card to the little poke joint around the corner from my apartment <laughs> yeah hang on just one sec what's up i just need my wallet oh Steve's going out for booze. Speaking so, of wallets. I, this signal for keep going oh. was interpreted as stop. Yeah, I have in my notes, I smell a cult. Right. And so John's like, I love yoga because I like live life on the edge. Shut up, John. <laughs> Sit down, John. <laughs> <laughs>